Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Junior Wealth Management. And thanks for joining us here again this week, where we cover off everything that we see in the markets last week and then what's coming up this week. And there's been a lot going on, obviously, if you've been following the markets. So uh, we'll bring you up to date on what we're seeing there. We uh, we were off last week. I was down in, in Vegas, believe it or not, one of our first conferences back. We had a, a, micro -cap, a Canadian microcap conference down there where uh, I had to be uh, had a keynote speak uh, there for a couple a couple of sessions. Uh, it was great to kind of get out and see people in person again. Uh, we'll actually have some videos from that conference if you're interested. Uh, we'll be posting them to our site at mikeonmoney.com. If you have any questions, uh, you can also contact us through there uh, or any updates. Uh, please uh, please feel free to give us uh, any feedback at all. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, as always, the information we present on here is for information purposes only. Do reach out to us uh, with any of your questions that pertain to your particular situation or portfolios, uh, or do your own due diligence to make sure that uh, you're taking appropriate actions within there. So with that, let's dive into what we're seeing in the economy uh, coming up this week. Uh, we're looking for the small business uh, optimism for April numbers. Uh, obviously, expected the numbers to be a little bit off of what's been going on uh, April, late April, early May with the, the inflation numbers and continued uh, rise in interest rates as we saw another rate hike by the U.S. to match. Well, the Canadian one was earlier than the U.S., but they were pretty much to go step in step. And we're also looking for the uh, Secretary of Treasury, Janet Yellen, to testify to the Senate Committee on the Financial Stability Oversight Council's annual report, so maybe a little bit more insight into uh, what they're seeing for the rest of the year as far as the rate hikes go. Uh, we saw the stock futures rebound a little bit uh, this morning. Now that was the futures, the pre-market. Obviously, the market it opened a bit positive off of that, but then retracted into negative territory pretty quickly. It's it's moving closer to flat for the day. Uh, Nasdaq up a little bit, but definitely the negative sentiment continuing off of yesterday and Friday's pullbacks. Uh, we're definitely through correction territory in the markets. Uh, and and looking uh, looking or potentially heading towards uh, a uh, a a crash in the markets, which would be a negative twenty percent. So uh, so we're still seeing a lot of volatility in the markets out there. Uh, obviously, main theme uh, that continues is inflation and interest rates. A lot of other noise being fed into there. Uh, but though the, those are the main themes we continue to look at, uh, you know, slowing global growth because of that uh, and, and inflation, inflation soaring to, you know, a bit higher than, uh, than the Fed had, had hoped for after the interest rates. But we do have the Ukraine situation continuing to tighten the supply chains and pricing, uh, the pricing, especially on commodities out there. Uh, which is pushing up those uh, those uh, those inflation numbers even further, uh, which you know of course raises the risk of more interest rates and more aggressive interest rates moving forward. 
Uh, we are here in Whispers, as I mentioned, of the S&P 500 moving into bear territory. Uh, that's that 20% decline. Uh, we've already gone through. I haven't seen the latest numbers uh, as of this morning, but I think we were through something like 12 or 14% decline already. Uh, as uh, as uh, you know, the optimism wanes, especially around some of the big names that rallied quite a bit in 2021. As those, as those valuations correct uh, even further uh, and people start to slow down, whether it's uh, slow down purchasing, whether it's, you know, home pricing or uh, just general purchases, we're seeing, we're seeing information come in out of the retailers that people, you know, in 2021, people were moving towards the more expensive options uh, out there because of the supply chains, they were given, you know, paying a little bit more to, to get maybe, um, extra features or, you know, the bigger, uh, more expensive models of what they were buying. Uh, but we're actually seeing that retraced in 2022, where people are actually favoring for the cheaper models or the lower cost models out there uh, as, as things are continuing, uh, as prices continue to rise, especially if you look at fuel, gasoline hitting all-time highs across the country. I know we often see in the reports that, you know, Toronto saying, oh, you know, they're approaching the $2 uh, the $2 liter range, uh, of course, here in BC, we're at $220 uh, a liter range. In fact, I think I've seen it as high as $222 uh, at one point. So definitely over the $2 range already in BC. Vaccine, uh, COVID vaccine uh, makers are shifting over to boosters. Um, you know, just basically the the, the, the run-up or the, the, uh, the, the initial shots, uh, which are, of course, um, you know, have higher dosage than the boosters. Uh, pretty much done. You know, those who haven't got it doesn't look like they're really uh, anxious to go out to get it. Anyway, that's not the big market. Now they're focusing on their um, uh, all their marketing and development onto uh, more competitive boosters uh, for the. For the boost, the annual booster that we'll look like uh, we'll be looking at, and they're trying to get the, the effectiveness of those boosters up to about 18 months, which would be ideal. So we wouldn't have to look at anything more than an annual booster, much like we do with the flu shot out there. Uh, other news uh, in the U.S. Uh, the U.S. wholesale inventories uh, had uh, had a good a strong rise for the first quarter. Uh, GDP has been uh, is seen to be revised slightly up on that news. And that is, a, is, is good news in that uh, it looks like the supply chains in certain areas are certainly uh, are, are getting are improving and, uh, and moving in the right direction. Obviously, I think commodity base is still a concern. Uh, and the Fed may have to carry the bulk of the burden after the, you know, to hit their inflation goal of 2%, uh, you know, to really get inflation to turn over. Obviously, the markets are shifting. Uh, the general economy is moving uh, early stages yet. Uh, but they're trying to uh, try to bring down those prices, bring down inflation to get within that two to three percent, two to three percent target range that the uh, the U.S. Fed and same with the Canadian uh, Central Bank uh, to uh, uh, to get that uh, get into within that range again. U.S. profit forecasts are weakening as company are also feeling the effects of the inflation risk. Uh, you know, more and more the uh, the surge in oil prices has caused. Uh, increased shipping costs and, of course, the supplies uh, that they buy. Uh, they've seen the the raw material costs go up and interest rates. So, you know, a lot of companies will will buy on credit uh, for their raw materials, turn it turn it around into a product, and then sell it off. Uh, is 
pretty much how they finance their uh, their businesses and with the rising cost of interest is uh, is increasing the operating or the, or the overall expenditures. So more and more we're seeing that those earnings forecasts being revised or coming a little bit below uh, market expectations, which is also leading to some of the pricing we're seeing on the stock market out there. The US SEC has extended its comment period on uh, climate risk proposals. So we talked about this about a month ago. Uh, if you follow this, US, uh, the US SEC uh, you know, um, has been gone, has put together a proposal and gone to the public for comment. Uh, they've extended now that period to June 17th, uh, basically looking to require US listed companies to disclose a range of, of, of climate related risk and greenhouse emissions uh, data uh, about their operations. So this just goes to the, um, the environmental impact of investing and for those, those who wish to limit that impact in their portfolio by supporting companies who are being greener. Uh, but we're also seeing a lot of the pension funds out there definitely uh, you know, asking for that or requiring it of their pension funds to only uh, focus on companies that are being more environmentally responsible. So more and more as we see that, we're going to see uh, more regulation around ESR, oh, sorry, ESG, my, my, uh, my apologies, uh, as, as uh, more funds uh, look to do that and more investors are looking to focus their portfolios on that. So whether it be reporting changes like this or even just standards uh, for companies to, uh, to report, uh, or for portfolios to, to manage to, because right now it is still a, a very gray area as to what constitutes being environmental, socially, or governance responsibility. Uh, a lot of different people have different opinions of what makes uh, a company ESG and, and whether it should be in a portfolio or not. So we'll see more and more um, probably standards to come out on those uh, as time moves on. Let's take a look at what's coming up this week. Uh, coming up in the U.S., the U.S. Fed Reserve President, as I mentioned, is going to be speaking and hopefully getting some clues around the, uh, the next path uh, of, of interest rate hikes and what that looks like. We'll still see some earnings out there. EA Arts or Electronic Arts in the video gaming uh, environment is uh, expected to show a rise in fourth quarter revenue. They had a couple of new uh, games or titles out, APX Legends and FIFA, uh, which are uh, updates to uh, very successful uh, previous launches. Uh, Peloton is also expected to post um, post this week, but a wider loss. Uh, if you've been following the Peloton story, uh, so Peloton rose to fame during the pandemic closures as kind of the home, the home interactive um, gym, if you will. Uh, people were buying their their fitness equipment, mainly their bikes, uh, and working out at home when all the gyms were closed. Uh, and really the, the market kind of priced them in that they were going to continue that same growth line, obviously a very difficult growth line to, to maintain, <clears throat> you know, even if people weren't going back to the gyms, uh, you know, to continue to sell more and more equipment and get more and more subscribers to their service was uh, pretty lofty. Uh, and obviously as things have reopened, uh, we've seen uh, drops in sales and subscription as people uh, are returning to the gyms. And investors are looking for, you know, better forecasts of kind of what their yearly growth uh, or yearly growth, year over year growth expectations should be. Uh, and uh, we've even seen some rumors and only rumors that uh, there might be uh, some companies out there looking at taking out Peloton and integrating it into their services um, and, and 
you know, names have been thrown around that, you know, Nike might want to get into the space. Uh, we've also seen Amazon uh, move in that space. And of course, Apple Fitness was launched. So there's quite a few, quite a few competitors out there. Uh, other top news, uh, Elon Musk's $44 billion Twitter deal might be at risk of repricing. So obviously we've seen uh, weakness in the markets around the price uh, of Twitter. So uh, basically his $44 billion offer was roughly just over $54 a share uh, for Twitter, which was a premium of its, uh, of its price. Uh, it, it, it did rise up. And normally when we see these kinds of offers, the, the takeout bids, uh, the market tends to uh, move in line with the uh, the takeout price. So, you know, we'd expect Twitter to be trading around that $54 level uh, where, uh, where when uh, uh, Musk closes the deal, shareholders get that value. Uh, but we've actually seen the stock price retreating uh, actually sub 48, kind of between around 48, sub 48 uh, um, over the recent weeks. Uh, kind of, you're kind of messaging uh, to investors that a uh, they don't know if uh, they don't have high uh, confidence that this deal is going to close or if it does uh, whether it closes at that price. So uh, so you know Elon Musk does have a one billion dollar uh, breakup fee if he decides to change the deal or back out of the deal. Uh, but given how much the shares in uh, Tesla fell. Uh, on the announcement that he was going to do that, the $1 billion he would definitely make up in Tesla uh, value. Uh, and or if he were to reprice it below the $44 billion deal, uh, you know, if he repriced it at $40 billion or $42 billion, uh, obviously paying the $1, the $1 billion um, breakup fee would be in, his, uh, be in his interest. So the market is basically saying uh, they don't have confidence that this deal is going through at the $54 price range. Uh, so, you know, if you're, if you're playing that spread, I'd be, uh, be a little cautious around that. Rivian uh, price uh, slipped about 14% to hit a new low on the report that Ford was going to sell its, uh, its, its interest or its stake in the electric car maker. If you're not familiar with Rivian, Rivian's a, uh, a, a new entrant to the electric vehicle markets, uh, bringing in mostly uh, pickup trucks uh, and some commercial um, some commercial uh, uh, trucking or large truck uh, vehicles. Uh, they've been pretty slow to get to market with their product. They had a few hiccups along the way, uh, lost the CEO in the process. And, uh, and now as the, just as they're coming to market, uh, we're seeing Ford uh, back out of their ownership in the company. Uh, so we're seeing some downward pressure on their, on their price. Um, now that being said, there's been downward uh, pressure on their price and most the EV uh, market out there as that supply chain has been squeezed harder and harder for the metals that go into these these uh, cars and, uh, and vehicles and also on the chip side. Although the chip supply chain seems to be improving a little bit, uh, there's still a lot of pressure on manufacturers to be able to, uh, to get access and get their vehicles off the assembly lines and into people's hands. Uh, Biden has unveiled a pact with the internet companies to reduce prices overall. So 20 internet providers, including Verizon, Comcast, and AT&T, have committed to cutting prices or increasing their internet speeds for million, millions of uh, low-income families uh, throughout the United States. And hopefully we'll see that trickle uh, outside the United States and into Canada as well as that market heats up in competition. 
as more and more people rely on streaming uh, and internet services at home, uh, even beyond kind of your, your cell phone use, but for your entertainment, for your Netflix, or for your uh, any other streaming content that you might have as uh, people decouple from the traditional uh, cable packages that they might have at home. <clears throat> Uber is looking to cut costs as well. Uh, they're going to slow down hiring, according to the CEO, uh, scale back and reduce expenditures. Uh, they've been hit pretty hard through the pandemic, not just with people getting out less, um, but uh, if you followed, you know, almost a year ago or maybe more than a year ago now, uh, Uber faced, uh, especially in California, it was at the forefront of you know, this gig worker lawsuit versus employees. So are there drivers, contract workers or employees, which have a very different uh, cost structure for, uh, for the companies to manage people as employees versus contract workers. And we also saw some European markets also testing those laws. So, you know, Uber's uh, looking to adjust their cost structure in order to uh, continue to serve those markets and, and try to turn a profit. So we'll see more and more of that likely to come from the uh, you know any of the companies that are playing in that uh, what's called gig worker market or contractor market where their employees are technically not employees uh, and obviously carry less financial burden for the for the parent companies. Philip Morris is in talks to buy a smaller rival uh, Swedish Swedish match. Uh, so if you're not familiar, Philip Morris, one of the largest tobacco and cigarette companies in the world, uh, you know, one of the main brands being Marlboro uh, is looking to uh, buy a Swedish match, Swedish, Swedish match uh, amid rising global scrutiny on the sale of traditional cigarettes and moving more and more into the, uh, the smoke free or often called, uh, called vape products uh, as they look to continue to maintain a market share um, for, uh, for the smokeless and the traditional cigarette markets. On the Canadian front, uh, Canada's antitrust agency is actually seeking to block the Roger Shaw merger. So, you know, again, just over a year ago, Roger Shaw uh, looking to Rogers looking to take over Shaw uh, Communications um, and and kind of unify the country. Uh, back, you know, Rogers was predominantly a service provider for Easter or Ontario East Canada and Shaw in the West. Um, well, certainly for the home cable and internet services, um, they both uh, went countrywide with their mobile service. So you can get mobile phones in the West uh, and Shaw's Freedom Phones or Freedom Phone service in the East as they expanded across the country. But they kind of still had this uh, East-West agreement on the home services. Uh, so Roger was looking to take uh, take over Shaw and have one big global competitor to the larger TELUS and Bell services. Um, but the antitrust agency is looking at uh, at that merger and say it would lead to less competition. So there'll be less choices for Canadians. Uh, that doesn't mean the deal is dead. I, I know Rogers has been looking at selling off the Freedom Mobiles uh, company, uh, maybe to an independent to maintain a, uh, another provider or another player in that market and just expand out their Rogers and uh, uh, the Rogers mobile service across Canada and just take over more of the cable and uh, internet services. So we'll see, uh, keep an eye on that, but obviously uh, the Shaw stock taking a bigger hit uh, on that news. Uh, Rogers actually had a slight uptick on that news. Of course, the buyer 
uh, when a deal falls through like that, the buyer tends to take up because they don't have to spend the money. Uh, and the, the, the Shaw being the one being acquired uh, goes down because they're not going to, they may not realize that share value uh, if Rogers, if the deal doesn't close. So we'll have to keep a close eye on that. Suncor CEO Mark Little uh, is uh, facing some scrutiny uh, from some activists. Uh, basically, what we've seen is uh, Suncor since 2014 uh, has had on-the-job fatalities of 12, which is the worst record among Canadian peers, with the, uh, their most recent one with uh, two trucks crashing in the oil sands, mines near, near northern Alberta, killing one person, uh, and the CEO um, issuing uh, Mia Culpa, basically, uh, you know, admitting, um, admitting fault uh, or the the, the company admitted faults in the accident. So, uh, so you, they're definitely going to be a bit more scrutiny around their operations and safety measures. Uh, so as a hold-in within our portfolios, we'll take a close look at what they're doing there uh, for sure. Uh, Canada's RBC to hike their base salaries for some employees by about 3%. Uh, and I think most firms are looking at salaries uh, for, for staff, uh, you know, just to, given what we've seen in the jump of living costs and expenses. Uh, and, uh, and that'll be a trend we, uh, we see moving forward. Uh, value of Canada's uh, building permits uh, were, was down just over 9% in March. So uh, we've definitely started to see a slowdown in the real estate. We mentioned to it a couple of weeks ago that, you know, on the buy-in front, the volumes are off dramatically uh, on a year-over-year -year basis. Uh, and even compared to, uh, you know, last, uh, last quarter, the same quarter last year, um, and, and pricing is starting to soften. And now we're seeing new builds or building permits going down. So uh, good news if you want to do rent, a rental or build, build, where we've seen a lot of uh, pressure on the pricing, upward pressure, obviously, of pricing the materials, but also the difficulty to try to get uh, the trades and, and uh, people uh, to, uh, to do those builds or renovations. Uh, you know, wait, wait times have been... Uh, you know, drawn out for for uh, for quite a while, so we might see an improvements on that. On the M and A front, uh, or sorry, on the oil and gas front, um, you know, with the oil price still staying above one hundred dollars a barrel, uh, and, and as I mentioned, uh, weekly that the, you know that supply uh, the supply line versus demand still remains a bit weak on the supply side. Uh, more and more. Uh, Companies out there trying to bring more supply to market. Uh, so CGX and Frontera uh, say that they uh, they've been able to find a uh, a, a gas condensation uh, area in uh, uh, overseas in an offshore uh, block that uh, they are bringing some light oil uh, to and gas to the market uh, and hopefully re replace some of that supply shortage, especially with the continued conflict in Russia put in pressure on that. On the foreign exchange front, uh, pretty much what we've seen is uh, strength in the U.S. dollar. That flight to safety, that that theme is going to continue. Uh, you know, even if we see a moderate recovery in equities, uh, we don't see that there'd be a sell-off necessarily in the dollar until we really see that inflationary number turnover. Uh, so it'll continue to stay pretty strong on the U.S. front. The Canadian dollar is held in there with our interest rate hikes and strong oil, uh, and, and we expect that to continue as well. Um, and of course, since the, the beginning of the year on the 10-year bond yield, we've seen about a 1.6% uh, increase in those yields as, you know, investors are really reassessing the, uh, the valuations on those technology and growth stocks that uh, had the big boom last year. 
uh, as their cost will continue to rise with higher interest rates. On the commodity front, gold prices stayed steady in Europe, uh, you know, basically uh, holding in there with uh, inflation. Uh, not much moving there. As I mentioned, oil stained of just above $100 a barrel. And copper and zinc both had a slight increase of about 1% as, uh, you know, anything commodity bases continuing to stay pretty strong over, uh, over this period and will likely for the next quarter as well. So with that, that's pretty much all I have for you this week. Uh, as always, send in your questions. If you have anything, go to mikeonmoney.com. Uh, we'll definitely keep you up to date on what's going on in this carnage out there. If you are looking to invest, um, it's, you know, just as we've always said, there's nothing wrong with uh, gradually dollar cost averaging in. Uh, definitely these, you know, on these really down days, um, it, uh, it will take, uh, you know, some bravery to to put your toe into the market. Uh, but I don't think at these le levels, depending on what you're buying, uh, definitely I'd be focusing more on cash flow companies. We definitely like things that pay very strong dividends. And of course the dividend rates are going up as stock prices go down. Um, so there are some pretty good values out there to start picking, slowly start picking up some dividend stocks. Uh, you can always buy a little bit more if it should, uh, it should continue to, to weaken. But uh, the good thing about those is where we're seeing, you know, even uh, even around the six percent range on the dividends, sometimes higher. Uh, you know, while you wait for this uh, this carnage to to pass over, you're getting paid that six percent six percent dividend uh, yield on some quality companies out there. So if you're looking for some ideas, do reach out to us. Uh, we haven't certainly haven't deployed all our cash that we've had on the sidelines. As I said, we've just started to slowly dip our toes in uh, on, on some unique um, targeted uh, positions that we quite like in the portfolios. Uh, but we will continue to implement that strategy as uh, as this, uh, this this pullback plays out, and if we lead into a crash uh, over the next month or so. So, with that, again, thank you very much for joining us. I wish you all well and uh, hope to talk to you soon. Take care now.